Hi, my name is David Speed. And I'm Adam Brazier. And this is the Creative Rebels podcast. Featuring inspirational stories and practical advice from some of the most prolific and successful creators in the world. Adam and I have co-founded multiple creative businesses and turned our varied passions into our careers. There's never been a better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people will tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to show you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back, Rebels. Welcome back, guys. I'm going to call you out, Adam. Oh, God, why? Because you just told me to stop breathing. Well, sometimes you've got to listen to me, haven't you? We just did a sound check. Um, I suppose this is the joys of doing things um, remotely. And Ad said, right, we need five seconds of silence um, so that I can get a... Uh, a reading of, of like for the background noise and then he just went stop breathing <laughs> okay so I just stopped breathing until he told me it was okay to breathe again and that is why you should always listen to people <laughs> what <laughs> what uh, just always do what anyone tells you to do at any time exactly I feel like that's like one of those experiments where people just tell people to do things just to see what their reaction will be oh it's crazy isn't it I, I was thinking um so you know when we were doing all the talks yeah I, I've, I've been playing around with this idea and I feel like I should do it of telling everyone to stand up because you know like when we're in front of people yeah you and we've got the stage and like people are so easily led and if i just went everybody stand up i know that everyone would stand up and then i could go what the fuck are you doing why do you always just do what is expected and then it would be the perfect segue into like the stuff that we talk about about yeah. like just just doing the expected path and that if, that if you do if you tread the same road that everyone else treads then you get what everyone else gets and you're only going to be like really successful if you do things differently yeah you've got to be more rebel be more rebel yeah, yeah. so don't stand up when i tell you to stand up <laughs> unless it's an emergency then um or you smell smoke then that would be typical i'd be like i'd, I'd do that and then the fire alarm would go off and everyone would be like oh it's another one of their games we'll yeah. all just sit here yeah anyone no, who's seriously get out <laughs> i want to bring out the big guns and talk about something that i think a lot of people are struggling with at the moment what's that that, my friend, is consistency. Yeah, I feel like consistency is one of those things that... I feel like it's like it's like a gym membership. It's like something where people start something thinking, oh, I'm going to do this all the time. And then they don't really think about what that actually involves. Yeah, and it's interesting. At the moment, I'm researching an upcoming guest who's like a, a freestyle rapper. And he like he's the best. He's so good at it. And... I think one of the things is, and, and like it basically comes down to he practiced relentlessly, like he was yeah. consistent. That's how he got so good. And I, I, it kind of made me think to my graffiti days and the reasons that I that I got okay at my craft is is by just doing it like repeatedly over and over again. And I was thinking, but the reason that I was able to keep doing it was because there was something else. And the fact that I enjoyed painting and it was fun, that was what carried me through. And so I, I sort of think, I understand that like you you get really motivated and you say, okay, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to do it repeatedly. I'm going to do it over and over again. But there has to be that other factor because yeah. I think when it's just work, it's there's nothing else to carry to carry you through. That That's the key, isn't it? It's like you need to find that thing that's fun. If you just say, I'm going to go and make 50 pieces of content, one every day for the next 50 days, but it's on something that you're not actually that bothered about, then it's going to be really hard to do. Whereas if it's something that, you would do anyway like you get up you have a shower every day like you eat every day there's just things that you will do every day because it's habit or or stuff that you enjoy doing like I'll, every first thing i do every morning is get up have a coffee every single day without a fail and that's because i like it because it's part of a habit 
And it's like, if I didn't like the taste of coffee, I wouldn't do that every morning. But then I contrast that to, say, taking my omega-3. And I try to do that every day, but sometimes I'll slip because I don't enjoy doing it. So I think what's important to do is like realize that if you have got this idea to do so many pieces of content for the next amount of days or you want this to be a habit, you have to make it a habit. And habits don't just happen by just starting something. It's getting through that first bit where you actually need to build the habit. And habits don't happen overnight. It takes a certain period of time to do that. So if you've found that you've been doing something for the first week and then you're like, actually, I can't bother to do a bit today or I don't want to do this. That's the time you need that determination to force through that, to kind of have that grit to be like, no, I've got to do this. I've got to do this for the next 30 days. And then when I'm out the other side of that, then we'll reassess things. But it takes that first initial push to build the habit to get to where you want to get to. Yeah, I, I was listening to a really interesting podcast yesterday. So as we all know, my dream, in fact, I'm not even sure if I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but my dream guest, like number one, top, top of all of the guests that I'd ever like to get on is Rick Rubin. And Rick Rubin has a podcast called Broken Record. I was listening to that yesterday and he was interviewing David Blaine. And David Blaine is such a figurehead for grit and determination yeah because although he's labeled a magician like the stuff that he does now is not really magic it's not magic it's like a a human feat like how far can someone push their body endurance yeah and he's talking about like being uh buried alive and and living in a coffin and being um and being trapped in a block of ice and all of these like mad things that he's done and it's it's truly is mental toughness that's that's got him through and i know it's not the answer that people want to hear it's like how can i be consistent it's like you've just got to be like you've got to be fucking harsh with yourself and i know like um i know me and manzi fall out about this because he's got his like very you need to love yourself and it's like i'm so much more like no you if if that's what you want then you've got to push yourself to do it when you look at someone like david blaine who who obviously is a freak but he is just a person. He's not like, he's not been born with any special talents. In fact, when he's doing the submersion things, he's actually got a smaller lung capacity than most people. So it is that thing of mind over matter. And like, I I really do believe that people are capable of so much more than they think they are. They just have to get their their head into it. And so probably, yeah, probably not the nice answer that everyone wanted is like, how can I get more consistent? And like, and not expecting the answer to be like, work fucking hard and be more consistent (laughs) but it's like that's what it is i think you kind of need to set yourself a goal like instead of just saying like i'm going to produce a piece of content every day like give yourself a time limit say i'm going to produce a piece of content every day for the next 30 days like you see a lot uh, where people do art challenges like inktober and other things that are kind of art related over a certain period of time and all people will do like i'm going to post a photo every single day on instagram for the next 365 days yeah. and it's those people who get into that habit that then continue that for the long term it's but it's kind of giving yourself that framework to start with i think if you are struggling kind of pick something that you enjoy doing or you want to do for the next 30 days if it's something you don't want to do it's going to be really hard like end off you're just going to have to suck that up Pick a form of content that you enjoy doing and say, okay, for the next 30 days, I'm going to do a piece every single day and have a chart that maybe other people can see as well. And every single day, once you've done your piece, you cross it off. So you're accountable to other people too. And I think by doing those 30 days, then 
you'll start to build the habit. I think a habit can take between 30 and 90 days to build. So it's longer. Oh, is it's it? Longer. It's, um, yeah, no, actually, I've just Googled it. And in fact, there was a study where it says it, take, it can take anywhere from 18 days to 254 days for people to form a new habit. So 254 days. So if you really want to build a habit, set yourself a challenge of doing it for 254 days, because then it's like, you'll probably, the chances are, if the average is 66, that you will do it a long time before that. But by giving yourself that long term, I'm going to do this for the next 264 days, then yeah, that's how you, that's how you build a habit. Yeah. And I mean, I, I called him out earlier, so let me be nice to him now. Um, I think Manzi is someone who's really, really good at, at doing that. So he set himself the task of skateboarding. He hasn't given up. He kept on skateboarding and you can see his progression over the last six months of from can basically only just about roll along. to now he's doing ollies and kickflips. Yeah. And he's also doing um, like daily meditation and he's turned that into a habit. So so yeah, it's it's definitely possible. It's just, yeah, it's like, how much do you want it? And I think like to, obviously we just quoted from James Clear's research there, like that we've both read the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. There's there's so much information in there on how to build a habit and, and anchoring behaviors and all of that sort of stuff. So that's definitely worth a read. We should try and get him on the show. Yeah, we definitely should. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think Atomic Habits was one, one of my favorite books of 2019. Um, so yeah, if anyone hasn't read that, it's got so many great pieces of advice on how to build habits that last. And so it's it's interesting your choice of words there, Ad. Pretty much everything you were saying there is like a piece of content. You were referring everything back to a piece of content. And I know that with creative people, sometimes that can sting a little bit because they see their work as more than just a piece of content. But I, I know what you're doing. You're distilling it down because at the end of the day, everything you make, yeah, you need to distribute in order to facilitate more work for yourself so therefore it, it becomes content yeah well i suppose um, it's like this term content i suppose refers to marketing it's like if you're an artist and you just want to produce so many pieces of art every day then that's fine if you're just keeping it to yourself but if you want to make it into a business and you want to use your art as a marketing tool then i suppose that's where it becomes content it's content as well as art or whatever else it could be but i think as soon as you decide to use it for marketing basically if you decide to show it to the world that's when it becomes content yeah, 100%. So as we have discussed, I think it's really important that you should be making content that you want to make. And that segues perfectly onto this week's guest, Gemma Kearney, who makes a lot of content that she loves. Yes, what a joyful person Gemma is. Oh, this, um, this is a wonderful interview. Yes, Gemma Kearney is an award-winning broadcaster, author and documentary maker. Gemma's work is always about people, communication and community. She's able to see the world as it is to recognize problems, but to overcome them with contagious positivity and a DIY attitude. A key example of this is her business, as we just discussed. After feeling like her ideas weren't being heard, she founded Boom Shakalaka Productions to make the kind of programs that she wanted to make. In this episode, we talk about collaboration, a big yellow bus, and the best kind of work. It's not about numbers. It's not about becoming the most successful. Don't compare yourself. It's not about how much money you make from it or how many likes it gets. It's about how it makes you feel and how people respond to it. Hi Gemma. Hello. Welcome to our thanks show. Thanks for doing our podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's very nice. I heard you say that as a young person, you felt like the odd one out. 
do you think that I know we're going like really deep straight off first question, but do you think that that had an effect on your career and your life going forward? Massively. I've had the chance to reflect now that I'm in my thirties, but I think um, instinctively feeling like other in certain ways as, as it's put more now or a minority of some sort definitely led me down a certain path definitely made me an attention seeker definitely made me compelled like a moth to the flame to arts and you know the arts and artsy types and I think in some ways on a more serious level let's say struggle or strife or facing adversity has been an enhancement to my career and and who I am what was it that drew you to the arts escapism (laughs) I love to get lost in glitter and I said that in the past tense but I always everyone loves to get lost in glitter and using my imagination it's quite interesting that we're recording this during the time of lockdown or corona 2020 or whatever it'll be looked back as because we are being forced to use our imaginations look at our inner resources as to what makes us happy and content and fulfilled and inspired and I think growing up in the 90s as I did I would have spent whole Saturdays just sort of wondering what to do without the distraction of the internet. There are so many filmic reference points, music classics, and and all of that is the art. Yeah, 100%. You mentioned that the struggle, like becoming familiar with that struggle, and then I suppose it just made you more resilient. I think so. I really like that the word resilience is coming in, you know, that people are really understanding it, celebrating it. It's, it's a big term in, in therapy, right? And I, and I think it's a good one because cancel culture and beating yourself up and thinking about what was wrong with everything or has been is, is only beneficial up to a point because a lot of it does create a hardcore resilience. And I would say that I am probably quite a resilient person, yeah. And, and I think like we need it now. I think the the people that show re- the resilience are like overwhelmingly like more successful because they're able to sit through those things that that are hard and it's only through going through the things that are hard that you that you reap the rewards on the other side. And I think we've got to be bare bones honest particularly right now, right? We have all gone through all sorts. Whether it's something as commonplace is the fact that a lot of people my age grew up before the internet was so huge and then suddenly it became massively part of our lives. That is quite a big thing to go through in terms of change when it comes to our physiological selves and how we interact. Maybe it's culture in general that a lot has been uprooted as to certain things that weren't okay before now or had to be interrogated in terms of how how that actually makes people feel in terms of sexism and racism. So we are all here, earthlings, rebounding from, let's say, and again, talking of therapeutic terms, quite a lot of trauma in different degrees. 
I think that, again, resilience amongst that, creativity, imagination, escapism, togetherness, humanity, all of these things that I've always believed in and that I still believe in are more important than ever. And that kind of makes me a bit excited because it felt like we were losing quite a lot of humanity, to be honest. Yeah, it is an exciting time. And and although there is a lot of negativity and I mean, especially now, but there is, there is so much like the, the silver linings that we found through, through going through this COVID thing. It's like, I think there's two schools of thought. Some people are, are reacting really negatively. Some people are like hugely positively reacting and going, okay, well, this is the situation. I can't change that, but what can I change within my own life? What can I do? And it's like some amazing stuff's been coming out. Definitely. I'm noticing kindness erupting though it's painful to think where we had to get to for that to happen it feels exciting and i i am I'm, I'm a big believer in that and i and i'm also just seeing people really understand the idea of empathy faced with the prospect of being alone you know for example i was saying before again lockdown or whatever this particular current time that we're addressing to is I was often finding myself saying that I found loneliness an epidemic. I've thought that pornography and its access has affected people's sex lives. Like there's so many things that were sort of jarring and now we're forced to address it, I think. And um, I think creativity and like human kindness is, is at the base of addressing it, which is really special and I'm seeing it everywhere I'm seeing amazing people do amazing things very quickly so for example broadcast I am buzzing from seeing how people are using their independent communication tools to ignite conversation get together like think on their feet and and make people feel less alone or inspire them educate them make them laugh it's it's awesome because i'm a i'm a radio person i'm a purist of live broadcast I, I i i love it and now i'm seeing everybody doing it and i'm like fuck yes yes so great isn't it just to see everyone take on that education that entertainment and people who would have been too shy or embarrassed to do something previously now have that confidence to go and do something like the amount of people i've seen doing fitness classes who aren't fitness people but they are quite good in the gym they know how to do stuff so they're now doing home workouts all the time which is great because they probably wouldn't have the confidence to do that before so it's really nice to see that that's that this tragedy has kind of brought that out in everyone at the moment we see a lot about things that are kind of closing businesses that aren't doing well but it's nice to hear about the things that are actually starting now like I heard about something last night where one of my girlfriend's friends um, she works as a kind of teaching young people with outdoor activities and she hasn't been able to go and do that because it involves being with people, being outside, all the things you're not allowed to do at the moment. Um, but she's been doing things on Instagram, uh, just kind of doing these little like do at home lessons that kids can take part in, like go find stuff in your garden and things like that. And she's actually got a few people message her being like, can you, can I pay you to do these with my kids? And this is something she's dreamt about doing for years, but never had that never had the opportunity. And so she's done a few classes now within the past couple of weeks that are paid, 
to do the thing that she's always dreamt of doing, which is just amazing because that couldn't have happened. To well, it could have happened, but she wouldn't have had the confidence to go out there and do this a month ago. Having the time to think, having yeah. the time to reflect, just being in one space, feeling it atmospherically in terms of everywhere around you, everybody's doing the same thing, which is sitting there going shit. <laughs> um, it it. it it helps us to find the confidence to try things. Um, and I just find that really beautiful. I think that that's amazing that she she got the initiative in the end because yeah. I'm constantly telling people, come on, YOLO. But unfortunately, paying rent and a mortgage, being a decent human being, living in this modern world, it's kind of difficult to reach that initiative sometimes. We're all so busy and overwhelmed. But right now, I would say that I'm overwhelmed by how many awesome things are happening that I want to shout about, which is a great feeling. Yeah. Have you ever struggled with like confidence? Because you, you seem like a hugely confident person. Has it ever been something that, that has been an issue? It's funny when people say that to me. When I went around schools, when I wrote my book open, I would open up you know to the floor any question anyone could ask me anything and uh someone said to me that I'll always remember like a a 14 year old said how are you so confident and it took me aback because I don't necessarily consider myself as confident I'm bold I think I think I'm probably quite loud without being too sort of stereotypical but I I definitely have anxieties I definitely have found myself comparing myself to others. I don't always practice what I preach, you know. So, yeah, I'm a totally normal, sensitive human being (laughs) who gets down and worried and overthinks. But I think I do have a base within me that I've had to reach for so many times, whether it's travelling so much and and immersing myself in other cultures or being in ridiculous once-in-a-lifetime situations of my career where you're broadcasting live to millions before Kanye West comes on stage at Glastonbury. And actually what you realise is that you aren't the most important person and that mistakes happen and it doesn't actually matter. And what people really want is authenticity in you. Um, and I'm I'm often excited. I'm excited by lots of things. So I love. It's my privilege and my joy to share the things that I think are awesome. So that's where the confidence comes from. But it, it's it's not a lone mission. My confidence only comes from the people that there are around me, the community that's been created, what I'm inspired by. So really, I didn't think about this at the time, but that to that 14 year old who asked me how I'm so confident, the truth is I was confident because they the group of people the school that I was in was listening to what I had to say which was a huge passion of mine which is what why I wrote my book about young people's issues and it was being responded to so therefore it made me confident that we could all be confident (laughs) that's such a lovely way of looking at things I think and and especially with young people when it comes to the language that we use with young people like that can affect their entire lives in terms of like what path they take and things like that. Um, So for example, when I was at university, I was told that art was not a valid career option and that I should be more realistic. It's a story I've told on the the podcast before. And I'm, I'm so happy that I didn't, I didn't listen to that, but I think like you've definitely had 
mentors in your life. And it seems to me that obviously at certain points you've been told you, you've listened to the things that have like set your soul on fire where people have been like, no, you're strong, powerful and confident. You should go this way. And you've kind of disregarded the things of like, oh, are you sure? I don't think you should really be doing that. And you, you've listened to the ones that, that kind of set you free. I don't really know any other way. If you are a woman, if you are a person of colour, if you've lived through the 10 years of austerity that we just have, you have no choice. <laughs> but to survive um it is no profound guru that i've found i've definitely come across magical people in terms of their generosity i am so proud of the people that i have around me that support me my mentors i believe in the power of that do i believe in traditional academia no because i didn't go to a university was I made to feel bad about that for many years of my life? Yes. <laughs> Have I analysed that since? Yes. I've travelled beyond the Western world, so I've seen how other people live, which has inspired me in terms of my life lessons. I have sought escapism in art potentially too much at points, but have used have used music and theatre and the arts and rock and roll and periods of history as my education or my inspiration. So therefore I kind of, I've done, there's been points in my life where I've done what I want that overrides this idea that there's this one person telling me that if I have a grade or if I get this particular job or if, I have the Instagrammable wedding or I managed to get away with my eggs not drying up or I don't ever get it wrong when I'm discussing the fact that I'm an ally for the trans community in terms of like the language that I might use or I don't look like Kim Kardashian in a, in a, in a dating profile pic so that I'm not deemed as, you know, the kind of normal idea of sexy. I honestly, I've got to a point, I don't really give a fuck. <laughs> I just, I just don't. Like, I think there's so many more important things. And I know that people kind of roll their eyes because it seems really renegade and really OTT and like this punk spirit is, is often like a bit much, but it really is like who I am. And I don't think, I think I've explored the idea of what having a punk spirit means. And I think actually like I keep coming back down to the fact that I think I'm just a big weird hippie <laughs> like I just like I love swimming in the sea I fantasize about growing vegetables I own a double-decker yellow bus I'm a hopeless romantic I'm looking for love I am trying to write a book in a way that I'm struggling because I didn't do an English degree uh you know I I but I just like life and experiences and people and sunflowers like i'm a big baby what would you say to a younger person who wants to give less of a fuck <laughs> apologies for my language just whenever i'm allowed on a podcast when i'm not on the bbc i can actually <laughs> swear check me out um i would say try and find out who you are and i think that's a long journey but you don't have to like what everybody likes you don't have to do what everybody does but on that journey, don't beat yourself up. Don't 
fall for self-destruction, empower yourself. And there are so many different ways to live. And I think that that's a truly exciting concept rather than an overwhelmingly terrifying one. Like the status quo is good for some and not for others. And I, and I, and I don't mean that in a really bombastic way. You don't have to go and shave off all your hair right now. But if you want to turn your phone off and actually read a book rather than get back to all the WhatsApps, you can. As I say, I think it's really important to do different things. Like say, what is the normal and what would happen if I did the opposite? Like it's great to try the opposite because it's like through that, that's when innovation, creativity and all the fun things happen. So yeah, be a bit more other. Rebel. Rebel, yeah. And I think it's where true innovation, as you say, comes. It's where equality is born because then we're not living to the what it means in terms of gender. It's where a true sense of confidence can be created because you're not trying to follow a particular path to look a certain way, to speak a certain way. You're not feeling validated by a specific thing. You're just experimenting with ease and strength and, you know, thought. The thought thing is quite important. You've got to think about what you're doing. But I think it makes life, like, quite exciting. <laughs> and understanding that you are on that journey, I think, is is such a powerful thing, like not allowing life to just happen to you. Because it's like you've got the punk rock spirit, but at the same time, through when you were researching your book, you're talking to like loads of different experts and like, I guess like breaking down the things that you would have been going through when you were younger, the things that we all went through and like being able to have that lens to, to look back on them. Cause I'm guessing when you were like in your Kappa tracksuit garage raving, like you probably like, do you know what I mean? It, they, but things happen, don't they? And, and it's like, it's only through time and understanding that you're on this journey that you can like reflect back on the things that have I love the phrase of like life life is happening for you, not to you. And it seems like you're really embracing that. I'm doing my absolute best because whenever I am not feeling good, it's very easy to be encased by a victim mentality because things haven't been hunky-dory. And it's a waste of energy. You know, there are so many fantastic things as well in my life around me happening so I think you're absolutely right I do and I think if we could find a place where that was a bit more our go-to in terms of wow that like you know quesarasara type thing then it could be amazing it's funny because I've noticed whenever I do stop trying to control something like kind of lovely things end up sort of happening that's interesting touch wood but when I just release like I'm just like, oh, I get to relax now. I don't, for example, I was on holiday in January and I, I was, I had a really hard year last year. A lot was going on. I was pent up, to be honest, with quite a lot of like just sadness and stuff. I was like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to read on the beach. I just don't want to be my usual gregarious self. Like I'm not here to party. I'm not here to socialize. And it's funny, just after a few days, I was just chatting to everybody. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I just started to naturally, it just na- naturally who I am just started to come out. And it's nothing to do with my job or anything. It was just natural me. And 
I was just being drawn to or like finding the most fascinating, amazing people, like writers from all around the world, professors, just people. And it just, I just thought to myself, I haven't tried to hook anything up. I haven't investigated the situation. This is not for networking. I'm not controlling this situation. I'm just chilling on my holiday and still like amazing people are around and amazing conversations and amazing exchanges and experiences. Like it's the same in so many different things in life. It's like, like we try to control, I said mentioned dating apps before, but we try to control how we date, how we meet someone, who our like person might be. So you just relax, like it should be all right. <laughs> yeah, I feel like so much of that is if you go into something trying to get something out of it, then it doesn't really happen in a genuine way. Whereas if you go into it, it was just like, I want to be this person's friend. This is a nice connection because I actually like them rather than I think I'm going to get something from this. Then it, it always happens better in the end. I think so. And it, it requires a vulnerability. Mm. Another big word at the moment, which is being talked about, but I think really important to explore. We like, I think resilience and vulnerability I'm I'm into it. I'm into the the vibe of what what those things mean, and we have to be honest and be vulnerable as well as resilient, which is like quite ahead of us because this is not how we've been taught to be. But it's possible, and I think it's a good space to to inhabit creatively as well. Have you always been interested in people? Yeah, I love them. Because it seems like a reoccurring part of, of your, like your creative output is always about, and I suppose even in broadcasting, it, it's like you're, like you've got the coolest friends on the planet and you're just like, oh, look, here's some people that have made some things and you're like, we're sharing. And do you, do you know what I mean? It's just like, you're always providing for people. Yeah. Again, I'm 35. I turned 35 like two weeks ago and I'm a bit more reflective as to who I am. Because I've naturally just been living and doing what I do. Because I get so excited about things. But I, I am more like in my own zone in the sense that I, I am a lover. <laughs> like you know, I love things. I don't just like them. I don't just do it because I think it, I'm like, oh, God. like this is the best. And um, I am. I'm now age thirty five. Extraordinarily flawed but also proud of the fact that I do think I have met interviewed hung out with can say are my mate some of the most extraordinary people ever which is mad and I feel really lucky for that and also in a in a work capacity on a broadcast level to be able to document some of those souls for the brilliant or the multifaceted nature of their work beyond just a headline or whatever is a true honour. I feel honoured to, I mean, Grace Jones isn't my friend, by the way, but I always use her as an example. I would love her to be my friend, but I had the honour of interviewing her over dinner, which was a few hours long. And um, it was an example of, a moment where I was in awe, I was fascinated, but it also felt like an honour that my job could culminate something that I feel very passionately about, the fact that Grace Jones is more than just that iconic photograph that we associate with her. She is more than the fear that people think of when they think of the old Russell Harty 
clip of when she hits the the interviewee in the 80s. She's so many things and she's a woman and she's black and she's androgynous and she's Jamaican and she's international and she's psychedelic. Like she's so many things. And it was, it was a true honor. So I feel in a work and professional capacity, honored to share those things and to be given the skill to broadcast and document. And then on a personal level, yeah, I've just been lucky. It's been cool. Like I, I like big characters. I like funny people. I like warm people. I like. I mean, I guess there's been periods of my life where I've liked mental people, <laughs> um, but they can sometimes be wonderful too. Um, and I love to collaborate and to exchange ideas. So, I, I, I yeah, I, I think I'm just naturally like that. Well, I'm going to pull you up a little bit on that. Because um, the word "lucky" is banned on this podcast. Is it? You've you've put yourself in these situations. You have built yourself a career, and you've had help along the way. But you've been deserving of that help because of the work that you've put in. So thank you. Taking a while for someone to say that. <laughs> I am yeah. bruised from knockbacks and um, poor treatment at points because. But you're resilient. Yeah, 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 and even though like I have a lot to my name it's not that obvious you know because I fight hard to do the things that I do and I have always fought hard I work really 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 hard so I would take the fact that it's not just luck are you more selective about the projects that you take now try to be but then I've got to try not to be too hippie and go bankrupt too <laughs> it's a swinging pendulum one of which my agents will pull their hair out at the thought of because I, ha- I have um, a real kind of truth seeker within and I'm, I am much more selective than I ever was, yes. And having seen the industry from inside and afar for quite a few years now, for over a decade, I, I can't help but really instinctively know what's right for me and what's not. And what do those projects look like? Ones that are right. Yeah. Collaborative, interesting. Sometimes easy. <laughs> Sometimes my skill set I feel that I've worked for, you know, I means that I can I know I can do certain things. So but in terms of the projects that I I want to do, a lot of it is about communication. I'm kind of obsessed with the idea of communication, I think. I think togetherness is really important. I think the element of live is continuously fascinating. I've always been trying to pioneer like a new wave of live and think about the importance of that because it does do something for people. If you can put out something raw and live and not too edited. And then because it is ephemeral in nature, it doesn't matter too much. Like I think people do worry too much and that like, there's stage fright, but in a live situation, and I mean, you'll know this better than anyone, like if you flub, then it's gone in one second and then you're on to the next thing. Honestly, I don't think it's healthy to focus on mistakes too much, but I've done a lot of radio in my time, a lot. I've done loads of different radio shows. And let's say on paper, the most excruciating being early breakfast presenter from 4 until 6.30 a.m., Monday to Friday, for two years. 
and I was in my 20s and trying to get by, get on and move forward on the trajectory of my career, but feeling so exhausted that I could just burst into tears every second. Yeah, I mean, mistakes happen. And, but, but the liveness is part of my craft. It's like, it's like a theatre actor, you know, and I'm in awe of it. I mean, I actually did train in theatre originally between the ages of 16 to 18. I was at the Brit School. And I have a lot of friends that are still actors and I would hate to be an actor because it's way too hard. But I'm really respectful of anybody that gets on stage and delivers in that way. And the same in terms of my peers who are broadcasters and anybody that can just do things on the hoof. Like, yeah. Um, when did you decide and why did you decide to set up your own business? When doors were getting shut but that sounds a little bit like, woe is me. It's not even that. I just had, again, it's almost like a yearn. Like I always have these yearns where I'm like, I'll get up in the middle of the night and be like, mm, something doesn't feel right. <laughs> and it's when I was on early breakfast and I felt really tired and I felt like suddenly my future was in the hands of people and it didn't sit comfortably because I was waiting and waiting for a promotion. <laughs> and I felt like I'd been jumping through hoops for quite a long time. And I thought, I have ideas. I have so many ideas. And I know so many amazing creatives. Surely, if I create a production company, I can get some of those off the ground. And it doesn't always have to mean me presenting either, because that's not my only passion or skill. I want to bring good people together to make good stuff. And, um, Boom shakalaka was that baby. And it was really hard. Once I suddenly had a business, I was like, what am I doing? I'm not a business person. <laughs> I'm a big gob. <laughs> yeah, we've been there. <laughs> it was really hard. But I'm very proud of Boom Shakalaka. And it's a very personal project to me because I co-founded it pretty much. It wasn't just me. Again, it's that like a classic me move in the sense that it ended up bubbling up in terms of the people closest to me are getting involved and my best friend is co-director with me and I'm I'm really proud of all the weird, the intricate, the the ethical, like the ethics that underpin all of the projects that we've done. And that's very much down to Beth Clayton, my co-director. And it's kind of like a love because she's been my best friend for years. So it's 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 bizarre, but it's very special. It's, it sounds to me like it's your rebel spirit again of, uh, I, I, there's these projects that I want to do. I'm not being listened to. So, okay, fuck it. I'm going to work out myself. Let's, let's set up my own business. I have always been like that. And it does go back to the fact that the, if the world doesn't give it to you, you have to go and try it. And I'm going to call it boom shakalaka. <laughs> I mean, that's another. <laughs> it's, it was Beth's husband who was another fantastic thinker in my life and I um, texted him saying, should I call my production company Boom 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 after the Out Here Brothers or should I call it Boom Shakalaka after the famous Apache Indian song? This is on a Wednesday afternoon. He just responded, should we call Boom Shakalaka? And I was like, mate, I'll see you for a call later. <laughs> One time. And then rang my accountants and was like, how do I start a limited company and can I call it Boom Shakalaka? How many times a day do you have to spell that out to people? Oh, uh, it's got a bit less. And I think 
my business partner hates me. <laughs> she was my best friend. <laughs> There's something so sweet about the fact that uh, announcers on BBC Radio 4, the most esteemed, probably the best speech radio broadcasts in the world, have to say boom chakalaka at the end of a production like, that we've made. So multiple times now we have just got the biggest kick not only out of delivering a multi-layered arts programme, but hearing at the end somebody saying, that was a boom shakalaka production. <laughs> what were some of the hardest things about about setting up? Because, I mean, we, we had no business knowledge when we started our thing. And it's there's some there's some learning curves there that are quite steep. Oh, so many things. And I don't I couldn't sit here on a throne saying that I've nailed them all. I've found Boom Shakalaka as a project, but it's not a project, as a business. So business-wise, really, really a big challenge. I'm rubbish with money. I'm the big baby hippie that we we discussed previously in the programme. So I'm like, I don't, money isn't important to me. Well, I mean, you did mention offhandedly earlier that you own a double-decker bus. and you, you spent your book advance on that, right? Yeah, the bus. The bus is an epic tale. I organised my friend's hen do years ago and I hired a vintage bus to stop off at stops that were bespoke to her, dawn stops we called them, all around London and all of the hen party had contributed to different areas and different activities that would be important to her. It was the most fun I've ever had in an afternoon and I became obsessed with buses. I think subliminally I was obsessed by them because of the Spice Girls movie where they have the yeah. um, Did you drive over Tower Bridge? Oh my God, we did, we did. <laughs> but anyway, I, was, I became obsessed with buses and then years later I was in my publisher's meeting and then I said, I would love to go on a schools tour with my book and turn up in a yellow bus because the bus the book needs to end up being yellow and everyone would be so excited. And they were like, yeah. And then I wrote the book, which was painstaking. We started to put together the promo like tour and they were like, we, we cannot afford a bus. And I said, but you said we could have a bus. And they said, but we can't afford the bus. We could wrap a taxi. Not quite the same. And I just couldn't uh. let it go. So I pulled together my advance, started looking into buses, contacted the people that I'd hired the original one from for the Hindu. They put me in touch with this bus depot who became my best friends, all these guys in a bus depot, and ended up buying a bus and I still have it. And she's called Dandelion. <laughs> what do you do with the bus now? Well, it did a tour around the country and, and bearing in mind it is a 90s route master, so it's pretty old. It went from Nottingham to Glasgow, Margate. It's been to Glastonbury and we created a hub in the Green Futures field, which was such an amazing experience. It actually broke down on the way to last year's Glastonbury. So I had to get another bus en route. <laughs> Casually. <laughs> if you go onto my Instagram, you know, you have story highlights in those big circles on the main page. Yeah. If you click on Dandelion the Bus, you will see some of the archive drama of Dandelion breaking down um, over the course of last June on the way to Glasgow. But it's currently in storage and 
it's so weird with what's going on currently in current times because I keep thinking about what's most important to me, like everybody. And obviously my mum and my dad and my sister and my best friends are really important to me, but so is the bus. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't stop thinking about it. And I keep thinking about what's going to happen with it next. And it will become something really special, but probably don't want to take her out on the road too much because she's a bit knackered. But it'd be lovely to put her somewhere safe and for it to be shared because there's something so cool about being in a bus, on a bus. It just feels really safe and lovely. I can't explain it. Maybe I'm a weird geek. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. No, I feel like there is something exciting about buses. Like as a kid, I was really wanted a giant bus to gut out and then turn into a house or something. I think it might happen. I'm going to become the lady in the van. <laughs> you call it bus It, it wouldn't surprise me. I know. This is why I can't get a boyfriend. <laughs> That's no, it's a good thing, Gemma. It's a good thing. If I'm on a date, I just like that. I start talking about all the things I'm up to. Like Usually people kind of know a little bit about what I'm doing. Maybe, you know, be like, oh, I heard you on the radio, whatever. And then I'll be like, oh, and I've got a bus just to test out their eyes at that point. And they're like, whoa. Well, uh, we we all know that most men are idiots. You've just not met the right one yet. Because if I was single, I met a girl with a bus. I'd be like, that's cool <laughs> as fuck. Um, I think one of the most important things uh, about the book is the subtitle. Because like everyone calls the book open and blah, blah, blah. But the subtitle is How Magic and Messed Up Life Can Be. And it's, it's like, it's not because, yeah, you are hippie, but... <laughs> but like you are you're not unrealistic like you have acknowledged like yeah there's messed up bits yeah I think it's really important to know that particularly from a youth perspective so when I'm asked about what it is that I actually do who I am what I care about I sometimes bandy around the term youth activist and again it was kind of an accidental title because I was working in youth culture and what I realized in terms of the times of change is that suddenly young people had access to so many things and a lot of those things were conflicting messages and that that could be really detrimental to growing up and our mental health and the fact that young people are going to be the leaders of our future, yeah. future they are the next generation. I, I became increasingly panicked because I think there was this kind of broken bridge between the older generation being like, I don't really know how to address this. I don't really know how to speak to my teenage son about the fact that they might be watching porn or for example, amongst young women, having these kind of inner worlds that weren't being addressed in school because there's so much academic pressure. And I went to schools and I did the research and I held workshops and I just, and basically those workshops were just talking about what was going on in their lives. And it became increasingly, I don't want to say scary because that's a bit too flammable, but I became worried that nobody was addressing like some really important things that needed to be talked about really frankly, like really frankly. And in adult worlds, people were starting to discuss quite big stuff in the feminist movement in quite an intense way, like opening up Pandora's boxes and investigating 
feminism, for example, like where we're at and what that means. And I just don't think it was happening with young people, but they were feeling the effects. And I just took it, took it on. I was like, I'm going to write something. I'm going to do something. And I'm going to utilize all of the incredible people that I have been privileged enough to meet in, in the arc of my career, from professors to group organizations doing really amazing grassroots stuff to just really great friends of mine that really inspire me. And how can I be the curator of this book to really say that life is both messed up and magic and that we, we, as we live it, we won't be in one or the other forever, you know? Yeah. And we'll get more of what we are looking for. I think so. If we are open to it and if we do the work on, on that, and I think there's this idea that the work that we need to do as people is to make sure that we get the grade, get the job, get the mortgage, just that really conventional stuff, which I think is all very special and I admire and I think is important. And I think education is awesome for one's mind, but there is other stuff, you know, and it depends on what your background is or it depends on on what your environment is and it depends on whether you understand boundaries it depends on whether it's it's not the one size fits all that we're sold yeah we've got to like really work out who we are what it is and sometimes sometimes life has been hard but you can get through it there are loads of ways and loads of people and loads of stuff in life there for you that can be part of your personal toolkit. So I just wanted to like offer all these tools and be like, right, now you choose the bits for you. And I, and I know that some of it is quite dark and some of it is quite sad. And I'm really cautious when I talk about open to let people know that the book isn't meant to be read from cover to cover. It's not homework. It was yeah. quite a heavy thing to write and to make and to build. Um, it's there as a resource. It's there to look nice on your bookshelf. It's got a ribbon in it. It's got an index. Like it's meant to be picked up, taken bit by bit, and then there for when you need it. It might just be one line that you need that day, one paragraph, one organisation, one book that you find out about that's on a further reading list. Because life is heavy and you need to remember that it can also be really fun so I think that the book is constantly hopefully towing that line and I really hope that it's joyous because I really believe in joy. What kind of feedback have you got from young people about the book? It's incredibly moving but people are connected to it when, when they do become connected to it they become really connected to it so what I found so it's been out for three years now maybe yeah um, is that Young people or those that work with or spend time with young people who struggle in some sort of way, it might be learning difficulties or, uh, for example, I've had foster carers reach out to me. Somebody who, who might not always feel like they're accepted by society, I feel like those people respond to the book really well because I hope that it's just a little olive branch to some going oh if you feel like you're in trouble you're really misunderstood I hear you there might be something out there for you to soften this blow for you and that's been really beautiful to experience 
you kind of feel like you wrote it for a younger version of yourself? Definitely. A lot of adults who read it have said to me, I wish that this had been around when I was younger. And it took me a while to really say the same because I've been quite like, well, yeah, but it just wasn't. You know, our upbringing was our upbringing. You know, we want to get on with it. But I get quite emotional now when I think about it. And um, I, it definitely was to me saying, oi, like, stop it. Like, it's going to be all right and be careful. That's a, that's a strong message. Your creative process, how do you, um, how do you stay creative? And it seems to me like you, you, like you, you just quick fire ideas and you're like quite, I don't know, like prolific in, in the production of stuff. Again, I can't help it. it. Just sort of, this sounds so wanky. I'm about to say it, it just comes out of me. Loads of my friends would be sick right now. I probably have quite a busy mind. So even though I'm an extrovert, I'm also an introvert. For example, I love nature and the sea and stuff because so, it calms me from being constantly stimulated and thinking, right, I could do this, we could do this. I think I spent a lot of my 20s just like doing everything. And I've traveled the world and climbed Mount Kenya and cycled from London to Paris. And it's been awesome, but I'm a bit tired now. So I'm trying to funnel my incessant nature uh, into what's really worth it and me some of that as well like <laughs> looking after myself but I have ideas all the time I don't know where I get it I get it from people people yeah. who are I, I don't I don't really know I love music I get it from people and history like delve right into periods of history I guess it's become a bit more fancy as I've got older so now i actually love ethio jazz (laughs) i really want to read all of rebecca solnit and like think about philosophy and stuff but so that kind of inspires me now but before it would i would have told you like going to lots of parties How do you deal with being on your own? Because like throughout this whole conversation, you've words used like collaborative communication together, people, like everything that seems to light you up seems to involve someone else. So how do you just kind of like be on your own? It's really interesting. I think I've been pretty sad, let's say. 2019 was quite sad and it was a bit of a shock because I'm quite a happy person. But stuff just went down and I was sad, let's say. And I think part of it was the fact that I was grieving the fact that you can't just get something out of other people all the time. Does that yeah. make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. it was my third year of being single. It was a year where a neighbour dispute had gone on for two years and meant that I didn't really enjoy the home that I'd created, which was a very collaborative space and always had people around for dinner. So that kind of safety blanket had been taken. Like lots of stuff sort of crashed around and made me feel quite lonely. All the while, I think that the world was getting lonelier. Like the way my friends were going about like dating or how we couldn't quite ever find a date to all hang out and and drink loads of wine together like we have done for so many years because of responsibility. And I think I was actually grieving like connection I think as part of loads of other things that went down 
And then now I feel a little bit more at ease with the fact that sometimes it's amazing to just be on your own. And and I think writing helped me do that. There was definitely pockets of time when I was writing in 2016 where I felt so liberated to have all these thoughts, but to write them rather than to speak them. And I took myself off of my own quite a bit then as well. And I found it really cool. I like independence was really freeing me. So I I am quite an extreme person in some ways and not in a, in a detrimental way, but like I'm either extremely in to getting everyone together and having a good old shindig or collaborating, you know, in a beautiful cosmic way where I can introduce the best of people to bring out the best in each other. But being on my own is actually very special too. And I really mean that now. I mean it more than ever. But it's taken me a while. It's taken me a while to really understand that. Because essentially, we, you know, it's important to be able to be on our own. Like, what can other people constantly give you? I don't. Mm. It's it can be unhealthy if you're if you're really just looking for that all the time. Like, I've, you have to to find the confidence. You have to like yourself, really. What would you say to a creative person who is maybe underconfident, or they've got an idea and they're not hundred percent sure whether they should go for it? Just think, don't overthink it. And this is a bit of tough love, but I've sometimes had to say to people or thought it in the back of my head, and I'm sorry if this is a bit too brash, but sometimes we need to get our heads out of our own bums a little bit. I think this whole like idea of being a brooding, creative, like deep, deeply thought up, wound person is a shame actually you know like shake it out let it out because the right stuff lands the good stuff lands and it's not about numbers it's not about becoming the most successful don't compare yourself it's not about how much money you make from it or how many likes it gets it's about how it makes you feel and how people respond to it. Somebody told me something recently. It was She was an old school feminist. She was awesome. She was talking to me. I was talking about my obsession with communication. And she was saying about how she broke down the meaning of the word communication in Latin. And I, don't, I can't quote her exactly, but, but really understanding it as a word is about what you get back. It's not about what you put out. And right. I thought that that was so interesting. And, and I wondered whether that's why I'm so obsessed with it. Because, again, it's about what I get back. It's not about, like, just what I get or, or making sure that I was perfect. So I think that we could apply that to ourselves creatively, to all people, you know, all of us that have anything to say. Like, get it out. Be careful. Be kind. Shake it out. Don't take it too seriously. And like, let's not just think about it in our rooms anymore. Just, just throw it at a wall and see if it sticks. Boom, boom. Um, Gemma, that was amazing. It's been a joy to speak to you. Um, as I said, like you've been one of my favourite people to research. And uh, yeah, this this was a, a great chat. Um, and even through the internet, and because we we much prefer doing um, these in person. But um, yeah, even beautiful through an internet connection. So thank you so much. 
Um, could you let our listeners know where they can find you online? Oh, you can find me online um, as Gem Cairn on Twitter, which is G-E-M-C-A-I-R-N, half of both of my names, because I copied Edith Bowman back when Twitter started and she's Edie Bow. <laughs> Very cool. And gem again on insta because i had no idea how to cultivate a personal brand and instagram suddenly landed and i was on the radio and i thought it was ironic that once again i'd have to create a different platform so it's me again (laughs) so gem again yeah that's how you can find me amazing thank you so much thank you so much thank you you guys are lovely that was really really pleasurable thanks so much for listening get any value from these episodes it would mean the world to us if you could share the podcast with someone who needs it you can always reach out to us on instagram at rebels create or head over to creativerebels.co and remember always be creating see ya